Well, I just want to welcome everyone here to Embrace. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at all of our campuses and network churches. Thank you so much for joining us. Truly overjoyed that you have come. The last few weeks, we've been in this series uh, called Anxious and Afraid, talking candidly about something that impacts so many of us in our own individual lives, anxiety and fear, speaking about it in just a raw and honest way. And ironically enough, oftentimes the church is anxious and afraid to talk about these different things. And yet as we started out the series, I'm so grateful we have a God who doesn't stay away from our mess. I'm so thankful he doesn't stay away from our anxiety. He doesn't stay away from our fear, our sin, our crud. Instead, we have a God who sends his one and only son, Jesus, and he enters into the mess right where we are. He meets you right where you are, and he meets me right where I am. And so in this series, we've spoken practically about a whole bunch of things, talking about different things that cause anxiety in our lives, different factors that lead to anxiety and fear. We also challenged everyone to get professional help encouraging people to seek out a Christian therapist or a Christian counselor if needed. Uh, Even this last week, I had a few different people reach out and say, I've always wanted to do that, uh, but it's always felt awkward, and I just felt shameful, and like I shouldn't do that. Just to warn you, if you do set up an appointment with a Christian counselor, it's most likely going to be awkward, okay? The very first time I went to a counselor's office, I got there, and three-fourths of the people in the entryway were from Embrace. And I'm like, okay, I'm not sure if that means we're really messed up or we're just a church that wants to deal with reality, but it was awkward, okay? We also talked about anxiety medication, and Holly, our executive pastor, she shared her own story uh, about the different medication that she's used at places and points in her life. Uh, So we've spoken practically about those things. We've also talked about fighting back with scripture uh, and mentioned Psalm 23, Since this series started, my wife and I, we decided to to memorize Psalm 23 together, and over the last few weeks, I've found myself quoting it and speaking it over my life time and time again, just clinging to God's promises. We talked about having a person in your life that you can be honest with. Austin, last week, did a great job of challenging us to be vulnerable with the people in our life. Also, Holly and Austin talked about panic attacks and the panic attacks that they've had. Just to let you in on an insider note, there are different things that are fun to talk about as a pastor. Panic attacks is not one of them. And so I just give them thanks that they were willing to share honestly and candidly. And hopefully it's just a place of connection for all of you to realize you are not the only one. Overall, though, I just want to stress the importance of getting help. Please, please, please get help. If you need help, seek out a pastor. One of your camps, pastors, network churches, talk with your pastors. Find a counselor that you can be honest with. Go and talk with your physician about different things. Honestly, as a brother in Christ, I am begging you, please, please, please reach out and get help, okay? Reach out and get, get help. Before we jump into things, though, something um, that I've wanted to mention for a couple of months when thinking about this series is just taking a moment to acknowledge suicide, um, I know from, from experience with, with so many of you in your lives, this isn't just guessing that it's impacted you. I know without question it has impacted so many of you. Uh, so many of you have had loved ones, family, friends, just neighbors, coworkers who have taken your life, and yet suicide is rarely ever talked about. A lot of times around a suicide, there's a simple prayer gathering. There's not really a funeral. And so just a lot of times it can be really awkward. No one really wants to talk about what happened. And so there's a lot of just guilt and shame and pain that never gets, never gets dealt with. Um, 
as a pastor, my very first funeral um, was a young guy, a young dad that I met with hours before he took his life. It totally destroyed me. I struggled with nightmares for months. Should have went and seen a counselor before I did. I mean, it just turned my, ups- and my world upside, upside down. We started this series, though, by saying in 2017 alone, or over 47,000 Americans took their lives. In one year alone, only f- just over 47,000 Americans took their life and died by, by suicide. And so we, didn't want, we don't want to glorify suicide any, any, in any way, but we, we do want to take a moment just to acknowledge and remember our loved ones who have taken their lives. And so I just, I just pray even today, just right now through the rest of this, this, this message, um, that if you've been impacted by suicide, you've had a loved one who's taken their life, I pray today, even as I'm speaking, that you would sense God's peace, God's joy, God's kindness. Feel free to tune me out for the next 30 minutes and even just think about the good times that you had with that loved one. There's probably some hard times with that person as well, but there also are some good times. And so again, just wanted to take a moment just to acknowledge those people, um, people that we maybe didn't have a funeral for. And so over this time, just today, even this morning, I pray that this would be a time um, when you'd feel ministered to. And so we've been planning on, on, on doing this for months, just taking this moment. But this week, uh, suicide hit really, really close to the Embrace family. And um, for the last few months, we've had a lady that's been joining us, um, specifically for the last few weeks with the series. She's been coming because she's dealt with anxiety in her life as long as she can remember. Her sister told me, honestly, as long as I can remember back, my sister struggled with anxiety. Well, earlier this week, uh, we found out on Tuesday night that she took her life. And honestly, I don't know if I have any tears left from this week. Just hurting for the family, uh, hurting for the person who discovered her, who was first on the scene. Just hurting. And so again, just want to take a moment to remember our loved ones. But also just to say, I, I beg you, if you're struggling, please reach out and get help. Don't mess around. It's the wise person who seeks out counsel. It's the fool who thinks he's strong enough on his own. And so I just beg you, please reach out. Suicide will not fix anything. It just causes a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. So I want to mention that, but as we, we, as we get into things for today... Again, as we just said, we've mentioned a lot of practical things, different tools that we can use to fight back the anxiety in our lives. But today, we're going to shift our focus fully to God. In the past few weeks, we've talked about God, and we've done a lot of practical things. But today, I want to shift our focus fully to God, because here's the truth. We can fix a lot of different things in our lives. We can address the physical. We can address the chemical. We can address the psychological things, which we should and we need to do. So often we don't talk about that in church, so we need to do those things. But here's the truth. Even if we address all of that, we will still not experience true peace. Why? Because true peace only comes from God. And so we need to address the physical things with our actual bodies. Just like we go to a physician when our knees hurt, when our shoulders busted up, we go to a physician. But more than those practical, physical things, we need to talk about spiritual things because true peace only comes from him. Lately, it's kind of random, but I've been reading through a lot of old school sermons uh, by a guy named John Wesley. If you ever struggle with sleeping, just pick up 
uh, some old school sermons and start reading through them. Actually, I, I kid uh, because the messages are incredibly powerful by Wesley. You need to kind of translate a little bit and get through his King Jamesness in, in him. Um, but uh, so I've been reading through these messages, and Wesley was a pastor back in the 1700s that God used to radically change all of all of Europe. Even atheist historians can't can't argue with the impact that Wesley had with his life. It completely changed Europe and his movement that he started it crossed oceans it spread here to the united states and continues on yet today and is growing rapidly in places like africa god used him in insane ways if you want to dig deeper into today's message i'd encourage you to look for wesley's message his sermon called the spirit of bondage and adoption again it's called the spirit of bondage and adoption if you're looking to dig in further would encourage you to check that out but again today in talking about anxiety and fear i want to talk about where true peace comes from it comes from god and to do so we're going to talk about three different states that we can be in spiritually three different places that we can be in connection with god that impact our peace in the peace that we have in our lives and the first state that we can be in is something called the natural person. The Apostle Paul calls it the natural man. I'm going to call it the, the natural person. And I just want to read this verse from, the, from Paul's letter to the Corinthians that explains the natural person so well. Paul says, A natural person does not accept the things of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. The natural person would believe on their own. They are good enough. If you ask a natural person if they were a good person or a bad person, they'd say, gosh, I'm a pretty good person. I'm not a saint or anything. I'm not a priest. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a nun or anything. But on the most part, I'm a pretty good person. They honestly, on their own, see no true need for God. It's like, gosh, I don't mind going to church. You know, kind of we do that. That's what I grew up doing. I don't mind going to church, but I don't really need, I don't really need God. Some would say the natural person is spiritually asleep. Others would say the natural person is a stranger to God. And peace, we're talking about peace today. The natural person has a false sense of peace. They have a false sense of peace. And where does their peace come from? It is based on the world around them. It's based on the world around them. Where does their peace come from? Just to get more specific, it comes from their job. And how they feel about their job. How do I feel about my job? Well, I'm doing well. This month I've had a lot of sales. I have, I, I have peace. Where does their peace come from? It comes from their relationship status. My marriage, we're actually doing pretty well. I'm single and I wish I wasn't single and so I don't have much peace. It's based on the here and now. It's based on the temporary, which means that it's constantly changing from one moment to the next. It's based on how they feel about themselves any given split second. It's based on their popularity for that specific day. Do people like them well then they feel good about themselves do people not like them well then they're struggling and they're this and they're that and they're this again the first state is the natural person they are good enough on their own they see no need for god they got false peace and it's based on the world around them that's the first state but at some point though through a trial maybe it's a cancer diagnosis or a divorce 
or a loss of a job or through something wonderful. Maybe it's a great conversation with a friend. Maybe it's a song that they connect with. Maybe it's a sunset or a sunrise. Maybe it's seeing a child being born. I'll never forget seeing my kids being born. It's like, oh my goodness, there's an alien that has to come out of my wife in the name of Jesus. Get this child, this thing, get it out of my, 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 my wife. Maybe it's through a church service. Maybe it's through an act of kindness by a stranger, and there's no reason for the act of kindness. Through something, at some point, God touches a person's soul, and it comes alive. In the Bible, it says, awake, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper, at some point our heart, it begins to beat. Our soul begins to come alive out of nowhere. Spiritually, we come alive. And also out of nowhere, we begin to see our brokenness for the very first time. It's like all of a sudden we begin to see our, our, our miss, like our, just our shortcomings and our brokenness. We begin to think about the times that we've hurt other people, like intentionally or unintentionally, out of nowhere, we begin to see our sin. Our sin. Paul says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Whether we've read that Bible verse or not, out of nowhere, we begin to know that it's true. It's like, you don't need to actually tell me in the Bible. I know without question that I fall short. There's no question that I, I, I just feel separated from God because the truth is we are. We feel conviction for the very first time. We feel condemned. And peace, when it comes to peace, we have no peace. And what's this state called? The second state that we can be in is under the rules. You've maybe heard it said, under the law. Again, out of nowhere, we begin to sense that there is right and there is wrong, and we are not in the right. And because of this, we have no peace. Our false peace is gone, and there is no peace whatsoever, but we try and find our peace where? We find it in what we can do. What we can do. And so we fall short, but we try not to fall short. And we see the rules, and so we try to keep all the rules. And I need to do this, and I need to do that, and I need to do this, and I need to do that. And I, and I am clearly not good enough. I mean, it is so clear that I am not good enough. Like, I fall short. There's something wrong. But we try harder to, to find peace in what we can do. And, and, and it seems like the harder we try, the harder we fall. Paul says, I do what I try not to do, and I keep on doing it. I try, I try, and I try. It's just like, I am so tired of trying. The harder I try, it seems like the more that we fall. Again, the second state that we can live is under the rules. We're not good enough. There's no peace in our peace. We try to find it in what we can do. Okay, so before everyone gets depressed here in church, if it's okay, I'm going to go to state three. That's all right. I'll take the awkward silence as a, as a yes, Okay. State three, what's the third state that we can live in? Under God's love. Under his love. You've maybe heard the word grace before. Unde undeserved love. And when we're under God's love, what do we find? It's something called true peace. True peace. 
and we feel like we're in relationship with God, we're no longer separated because it's true. And if you don't know God, he is the source of where all peace comes from. And because we are in relationship with God and close with God, his unending peace begins to fill and overflow in our lives. We begin to experience a peace which surpasses all understanding. I can't even explain it to you. We begin to have a peace that is unchanging, unlike the false peace that changes every five seconds based on what our coworker thinks about us, how we feel about our marriage status or the lack thereof, this peace, it is constant and it is unchanging. We don't just experience God's peace, we also experience his love. And his love is a love that we never knew was possible. His love, it's like I'd never even have tasted something that felt so good. I've never tasted a love that seemed to satisfy every single part of who I am. And so we talked about how we move from the natural person to under the rules. God touches our heart and wakes us up. But maybe you're just wondering, okay, so how do we get from state two to state three? Like how do we make this move from from one place to the next? And it's actually a one-word answer you've maybe heard before. The answer is Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. You see, get this. Uh, We are not good enough. The rules are actually telling us the truth, but hear this. Jesus is enough. And it's no longer based, our peace is no longer based on, on the world around us, and it's no longer based on what we can do and what we can do. Get this, it's on what, you're not even going to believe this, it's what in Jesus, what, it's what in Jesus already did. I'm not good with the marker board, folks. What Jesus did. <laughs> what Jesus did, I promise it's there. And what did Jesus do? Jesus died on a cross, and on the third day, he rose from the dead. How do we experience true peace? It comes in Jesus. He takes our guilt. He takes our shame. He takes all of our crud, our condemnation. He bridges the gap between all of us. He takes all that crud, though. He nails it to a cross, and he offers to make us white as snow. He offers us a peace that cannot come from us. It does not come from us. Instead, it only comes from him. And when we experience this peace, this series is called Anxious and Afraid. When we experience this peace, the striving, the worrying, the searching, the longing, the anxiety, the fear, it is gone. It is gone. Is anyone thankful for Jesus? Anyone thankful for Jesus? This week, just even thinking about this, I'm like, Jesus, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for you. Now, just a couple of things to point out about this really, really quickly. There's a lot of people, including a lot of churchgoers, I hate to tell you this, a lot of people, including a lot of, a lot of churchgoers who are in state one, the natural person. A lot of us across our campuses, we'd probably find ourselves there. Honestly, if you asked, you're good enough, right? If someone asked you are a good person, you'd say, well, I'm a pretty good person. I haven't killed anybody. They haven't intentionally tried to hurt anybody. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good person. I, I know I got a good sense of peace, except on my rough days, except when the thing doesn't go like I want it to, until I look at my, my spreadsheet and it's not adding up, until I look at my bank account. I got a really good peace until anything comes my way and then my peace is gone. It's going from one second, one place to the next. So again, a lot of us, even churchgoers are on the natural person. I also hate to tell us, But a lot of us are also in state two as well, under the rules. Under the rules. And here's the thing to look for. When you take this step from state one to state two, often you'll begin begin to feel God's conviction in your life. 
God will begin to highlight some things. And honestly, a lot of times, what are we tempted to do when we feel those things? Go right back to state one. It's like, I don't mind going to church with my spouse or my group of friends because that's what I guess what we do. But honestly, I'm okay with my false peace, Pastor. Like my life is actually pretty okay. I'm not really wanting to make a change. Jesus, I'm not really sure I want you to mess with my life. I don't want, I, you don't want, I, stay away from my five-year plan, my bank account, and everything else, all right? Stay away from my dating relationships. I'm doing pretty darn well. Stay away from my marriage. Stay away from my priorities. Stay away from every single thing. I think I'm actually going to just take a step back here because I'm, I'm okay with false peace. Another thing that might happen, if we live in this place for too long, one of two things happens to us. We either become a miserable Christian, that's the first option, because we never, we never measure up. We're always falling short. I, I know, I, I don't know if I'm even cut out for this Jesus thing because I can't make any changes in my life. I've tried, but I just can't, I keep falling, I keep falling, I keep falling. If we live under the rules, we either become miserable or the second option, what happens? We become prideful. Ever met an angry Christian before? Ever met a Pharisee Christian before? This is where they're living. And they truly begin to believe, even though they know their Bible really well, they truly begin to believe, I'm actually... I've actually done pretty well at keeping all the rules and what we can do. I'm actually doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. And we almost begin to see it as our job to become the hallway monitor. I'm doing pretty well, but excuse me, sir, you're not. And ma'am, I don't really even know you, but I just want to let you know, you're falling short right now. And I don't know if it's my business, but I saw your Facebook post the other day. So now I'm going to DM you, even though I've never talked to you, and I'm going to start to destroy your life. And I don't know this and this and this, and I'm so miserable, and yet I'm so arrogant and prideful and arrogant and prideful. Jesus didn't come to keep us here. Jesus came, why? To live and experience God's love, his love. He wants us to live here. He wants us to experience true peace. He wants us to realize on our own we're not enough, but he is. It's not what we can do. It's not because we keep all the rules. It's only because of what he did, a cross and an empty tomb. Thank you, Jesus. That's why Jesus came. That's what God wants us to experience. You're looking for peace, true peace. Again, talk about some physical things that's so important to address, but you're looking for true peace. It only comes from God through a relationship with Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. That's why he came. Now, when I, I look at this myself, um, this is the story of my life. Uh, I'll just be honest. I have a strong skeptic in me. I've been a, a follower of Jesus for 19 years, and yet still to this day, oftentimes I'll read stuff. I love to read uh, what non-believers are writing about Jesus, and so I'll, I'll read this, and I'll read that, I'll watch this, and I'll watch that. And there's times, I'll just be honest, when doubts creep in. Like, this is really true? Like, that smart person said, he said and she said, like, is it really true? The skeptic in me is satisfied by this. Even this week, I, was, I got emotional just thinking about it. I'm like, this is the story of my life. I grew up in the church we went to church almost every single week. If you would have asked me, am I a good person? I don't like to brag. I feel weird ever talking about myself. But I would have reluctantly said, I'm a pretty good person. I'm a good person. I mean, I'm not like bad or anything. I'm not like the person there. I'm like, I'm a pretty good, I'm a pretty good person in false peace. I had a lot of false peace. 
two great parents, a wonderful upbringing, school was good, and yet if you would have drilled down and asked me, I would have said, it just feels like there's something still missing in my life. I got peace. It seems to change one second to the next, but it just feels like there's something missing in my life. Like I don't even know what it is, but I'm just missing something in my life. I run into that all the time, specifically in those who life is going well for, It's like life is going so well, I should be happy, and yet there just feels like there's something missing in my life. Like maybe if I got a six-pack of abs and I got myself in shape. Maybe if I just sold a few more houses and built a bigger house and I just got a nicer car, and maybe I married the wrong person. He doesn't look like he used to. He somehow lost all of his hair, and now it's growing all over all parts of his body except where it's supposed to grow. Maybe I married the wrong person. So again, that that would have been me. I'm good enough. I don't really need God. And then one week against my will, as a sophomore in high school, my parents, we drove to a different church in town. And um, the pastor, he began to speak about Jesus each week. And Jesus and Jesus. And it almost felt like he was going through my trash because everything he was talking about began to hit me right in my soul. And out of nowhere, it's like my soul began to come alive. Out of nowhere, I didn't need God. I didn't look for God. wasn't looking for Jesus. Out of nowhere, it's like my my soul, my spirit began to, to, to beat and come alive. And hearing about Jesus almost became a drug. Youth group on Wednesday nights, I drove 30 miles one way to youth group, and I never wanted to miss. I only wanted to hear a little bit more about Jesus. I just wanted to experience him just a little bit more, but it felt like the more I got to know about God, the less I felt worthy of him. We didn't attend a fire and brimstone church. There wasn't flames on the TV. No one had to tell me. I still wasn't opening up and reading my Bible, but out of nowhere, it just felt like all had sinned and all had fallen short of the glory of God. It's just like I don't measure up. Like there's something that doesn't add up. Like I don't feel like I'm good enough for God. I don't, like, I want him so badly in my life, but I just feel like I fall short. Well, July of 1999, youth group went to this conference in Chicago. We were at Wheaton College, and the speaker speaking um, actually wasn't the best speaker of all time. Reminds me of somebody else I know. And, uh, but he began to talk about the cross. And I'll never forget, as all my buddies are sleeping, he said, the cross applies to everyone. It applies to everyone. And for some reason, as I sat there, I realized the cross, it applied to me. That Jesus applied to me too. That Jesus didn't just come for other people, he came for me and he came for you. Sitting there, I, I, I wholeheartedly asked, like, God, would you be my savior if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, Jesus took over my life, and since that point, this isn't the end of the story, instead, since that point, I've just wanted to learn a little bit more about his love. I've just wanted to experience a little bit more of his peace. I just want to spend a little bit more time with him. I just want to sit with him. I just want to be his hands and feet to anybody I come in contact with. Lord, keep me from ever becoming a Pharisee. Keep me forever trying to replace you. Keep me from ever being the hallway monitor. Instead, let me just be the person that's fallen more and more in love with you, trying to show somehow through my imperfect life your, your perfect love, your, your perfect joy, your perfect peace. And so that's my story. I just want to ask, what about yours? 
Again, we're talking about being anxious and afraid. There's so many practical things we could do, but true peace is only found in Jesus. So where are you at? What state are you on? What place? Maybe it's a combination of a couple of them. Wesley says that's cool. More importantly, Jesus does as well. Maybe you've been here, you you felt conviction, you ran back because it was safe. Maybe you've stuck here your whole life. And maybe you grew up in in this church that looked like this. It was all about performance. You read your Bible enough? You do this enough? You go to confession enough? Enough, enough, enough. It's never going to be enough, and yet thankfully Jesus is enough. So are, are you down here? And not just kind of crossing the finish line, but continuing to go further and further and further into the heart of God. That's the hope. Jesus, I just want to know just a little bit more about you. I just want to experience a little bit more of your grace. I just want to extend your grace and your love and your mercy to anybody I possibly can. Where are you at? Again, confess with your mouth, believe in your hearts that Jesus is Lord. That's more than just believing, like a shallow belief. Even the demons believe in Jesus. Instead, it's just a core heart belief. God, I need you. I need you. I fall short. I'm not enough, but you are. And it's your love I'm after, God. It's your peace I just want to experience. I've heard it surpasses all understanding. I just want a little bit of your your, your peace. And so, Jesus, I invite you in my life. And from this day forward, I want to follow you. Last week, I had a person come up to me in the entryway. And they said, I've struggled with anxiety for years, Adam. Um, and I, I want God in my life, and I need God in my life, but I just feel totally unworthy of him. And I, I basically, in my, my, my heart, I was like, dude, you are like right here. Like you were right. You just need a step. You just need, you need Jesus. And basically I said, hey, buddy, uh, you are unworthy. You've got that part right, but Jesus, he makes us worthy. You're not enough, but Jesus, he makes us enough. You're imperfect, I'm imperfect. Jesus, he is, is perfect. Just invite him in. So again, I'm not sure where you're at today, but I can't encourage you enough. We're talking about peace. No more fear, no more anxiety. The source of peace is found in God through Jesus. And so if you're here today across campuses, you're like, I just want this. I want more of this. Just simply repeat the words within your soul that I will pray. All right, let's pray. Gracious Father, Heavenly King, we love you so much. We're thankful for who you are. God, today I just want to start by saying that there's anybody here who, who needs to address some physical things going on, some psychological things going on, some emotional things going on. Would you give us the courage to make the phone call, to send the text message, to reach out and set up the appointment, God? Reach, help us to reach out and get help. Away from that, God, we want to experience your supernatural peace which only comes from you. And so God, today, if we're here and we've never invited you into our lives, just repeat after me, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I'm not enough, but you are. Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin? Father, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. Would you make my heart come alive, my soul come alive? I invite you in and all that you are, God. Would you, would you fill me with your peace? your love, your kindness, Jesus, would you just enter into me? 
And from this day forward, God, I don't want it just to be a one-time thing. That's not it. Instead, it's a one-time thing that changes everything. God, from this day forward, would you be the Lord? Would you be the Lord of my life? Would you be my Savior? Not just from an eternal basis, but on a daily basis. Would you save me from my fear, my anxiety, my restlessness? God, would you just pull me out? We're so thankful that you love us. We're so thankful that you invite us to live under your love. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. All God's people said, amen, amen.